Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Badlands podcast. The only podcast out there that is 100% unchiseled today and we are proudly part of the Chairshot Radio Network and now also E-Wrestling News. I am Mags and today with me for the second podcast in a row I am absolutely honoured Mr Paul Taller. Paul how are you sir? (laughs) Yeah, you're a cheeky swine. You're, you're <laughs> tough to work with. That's what it is. That's keep going on. You, you need two on, two off, like shifts. <laughs> I do emotional leave. I'm calling it. How are you? I'm not too bad. Excited for the for today's episode. We've got someone who is like a bit like a bad penny. We just can't get rid of him. He just keeps turning up every now and again on the show. And then we've got someone who's making their their Badlands debut. We're really excited to for this guest. We've got. The one and only Matt Nificent Matt Willis, obviously, as Thanks. per. Thanks, uh, mate. Not a problem. But the star of today's show, the star of Chris Talks Games, it's Chris Lewis. Chris, how are you today? I'm good. I think you're a bit too kind. That is waffle on, really. So, so, yeah, it's really excited to be here and actually get to do some stuff for you guys. So it's quite exciting for this. But as I may be, you are a star. I do. I'm one of what was on. You you have all the intelligence, let's face it. Well, I, I can honestly say I, I, I love your podcast and I, I love your, uh, your your YouTube videos. So to Thank me, you. you're definitely a star. Thank you. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. <laughs> but seeing as this is your debut, uh, you have to add to our collated Mount Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Now, I know you're not technically a huge wrestling fan, but if you can at least name four wrestlers <laughs> so we can add them to our list. It can't be any worse than Captain Lou Albano. It could be worse. I could be... I might, I might have to punt for people I know of, basically, so... Go for it. Um, so we can go... Um, Brock Lesnar. Okay. Brock Lesnar's not one I would have gone for personally. 
But, um, but I don't know much about them. I know who rolled them as wrestlers. So, <laughs> so that's kind of like, that's kind of like my kind of. Did you to name four different ones or kind of like? You, yeah. you have to name four, apparently, yeah. yeah. So you got Brock Lesnar, um, John Cena. Okay. Um, Dave Bautista. Okay. And because I know he's a bit of a shaman, got to go for the rock. Wow. <laughs> Dave Bautista might be a debut, Paul. How's that? How's that affect our, our collated list? Well, I do apologise if I didn't get any of that. <laughs> my, my, my end completely cut out I heard Dave Batista. Um, yeah, uh, it was uh, Brock Lesnar um, Dave okay. Batista, The Rock and I think it was John Cena yeah okay so you're right uh, Dave Batista is a debut so that's it that's his first vote um, The yeah, Rock cheat sheet. he didn't bother using it <laughs> <laughs> so quickly, he didn't even need, didn't even need the cheat sheet so <laughs> They're all quality. Like, on that sheet. Huh? They're all mentioned actually on that sheet. One. Oh, one. One was. You missed out Stone Cold, <laughs> The Rock. No, Stone Cold, Hulk Hogan, and The Undertaker. Did you actually write him a cheat sheet out just in case he couldn't think of four wrestlers? <laughs> wow. That's, that's a tag team for you. I didn't think they'd actually be that mean and actually ask <laughs> you to give about much more wrestlers. But apparently. <laughs> You're fine. It's, it's the basis of the show. He's a wrestling, <laughs> uh, wrestling podcast. That's true, yeah. and, to, and to be fair, most of them will be Hall of Famers one day. They absolutely will. Uh, but I alluded in the in the intro that this is not just a regular episode, it is one of our infamous unchiseled episodes where uh, each person on the, on the, on the show brings a, a topic to the table and we all get one pick on that certain Mount Rushmore. Uh, we'll go alphabetically like we normally do, so... Chris, seeing as you're first up, what what topic are you bringing? What Mount Rushmore are you bringing to this show? Okay, what I'm going to bring is worst film adaptation. So it could be like a book, a game, or something like that that's been adapted to film. Jesus like Christ. what, in your opinion, is the worst one? How long is this show going to be? Because I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> you need to choose one, that, to be fair. Okay. It's a good one. It's a good one. That's yeah, that's a good one. I like that. So, so go for it, Chris. What, what, what's your pick then? Um, as well as that, even though it's my subject, it's one I had quite a lot of indecision uh, what to go for. What I am going to go for, I think, in the end, is the Golden Compass or like, the, the foundation of the Northern Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, purely because they. Well, even though the bits were faithful, they completely threw some of the book out the window. And like they changed a lot of stuff around. And I just don't think it was um, handled very well. Um, there's some great, great stars in there, like Daniel Craig, uh, Nicole Kim and stuff like that. But I think they were kind of wasted in their roles. Um, and so, I, even though I enjoyed the books, I, felt, I thought the books got worse, they went on kind of thing. But... I really enjoyed the first book, and I think the films didn't live up to it. And it just fell. I left the cinema feeling really flat after seeing it. Uh, you thought the cinema? Yeah. That's oh, a good well, pick. Yeah. I actually, I actually, when I first saw that film, I actually really enjoyed it. And it was only afterwards I'd, I'd read about how, like, how much it deviated away from the book. So, yeah, solid, solid pick. Um, me to go next. Uh, this is actually quite a tough head because. I, I do enjoy most films, even if they do kind of sway away. But I'm actually going to go with The Hobbit. Uh, the reason I'm going with The Hobbit is because it was the book was what 280 pages, and they managed to to get three films out of it. They invented characters for the book, and it just felt like they were absolutely milking the the, the Tolkien series for as much as it was worth. Are you driving there? There. Milky. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> no, they just—it just felt like the that Hobbit series got milked, especially when you consider how much uh, backstory and appendices there were for the Lord of the Rings. There was plenty of stories they could have still used, and then they went for one of the short stories to to make a trilogy of. So yeah, I'll go with uh, the Hobbit for man. Hobbit for you, okay. Mm. What are you saying? <laughs> 
the mic, it's your topic, right? <laughs> right. So am I next then, Max? You certainly are. Right. My sister would never forgive me if I didn't mention, as an oral mention, Harry Potter, because it strays so far from a book that's untrue. Right. But, oh, but the films are excellent. Yeah, but they're no, they're, the films are good, but they're, not, but they're not, they don't stick to the books religiously. So they don't stray too far away, though. My sister would argue otherwise. <laughs> they, they do leave stuff out, but they don't. There's nothing that you think, well, that definitely wasn't in the book. It's not my pick. I'm just saying that if I didn't mention it, she would have a go at me. Okay, so this isn't you, Matt Rushmore. It's, it's, not, it's, not, my, it's not my pick. Now, <laughs> my, now my pick is... We're having a domestic here, Paul. This is this is, truly is unchiselled. <laughs> this is unchiselled as it gets. Because you, know, you wouldn't tell me what I thought at a time, which I'm glad about, but it also means I had nowhere... Ooh, I'm trying to decide... Um, it's, it's a film adaptation, you say? Yeah, okay. it's a film, but it could be an adaptation of anything. It could be a film adaptation of a book, a game. Uh, Controversial one. Comic. <laughs> Controversial one. The original Tomb Raider film. Ooh. Ooh, I thought that was a really good I mean, movie. Excellent film. Mm. And you know, Joe Lee did a good job. I won't deny it. Daniel Craig did a good job. But... Um... Um, I love, I love. Um, you played Rimmer. Who was his name? Remember, remember his oh, name? Chris. Chris Barry. Chris Barry did a great job. Problem is, is that oh, the butler is a fat old man who gets locked in a freezer. <laughs> Chris Barry is not that person. For one point, never an up to that person. <laughs> yeah, but not at this point. <laughs> and the other point is, is you don't get the guy. It's literally her on her own. She has no backup team in the individual games. She it's it based on the games and completely. As you said about um, new characters being invented for that. I mean, I grant you, the later games borrowed slightly from a film, but that in itself. But for me, it this was completely unfaithful to to, to literature. Um, what you can call video game literature, but in my opinion, it it sucked. Can I? You can. Be controversial your uh, thoughts. It's like... You can. It was based on the film, a game franchise, but it wasn't based on any particular story in the Tomb Raider series. It was a complete diversion from everything the game had been to that point. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't go for The Cradle of Life. I thought that was a way worse film than Do the first one. fucking was, start, Max. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. Yeah, well, that's, that's a... Show. That's a... <laughs> Do not... If only we could veto Paul, I'd veto that pick. I thought Def- that... Definitely. I feel like the, the first Tomb Raider movie is more true to like the original Tomb Raider games than the Tomb Raider games became. Well, it was that or the Mortal Kombat 2 film, or it was going to be uh, the Street Fighter film, which is despicable. What? That original Street Fighter film is horrific. No. We don't talk about that. But I it's hate crap. you up. You are off your heads. <laughs> off your heads. The new Tomb Raider film, though, is very good. It's very good. And it's based on the game, so. I didn't even know there was anyone. Paul. Yes. Finish this Mount Rushmore off. I'll stick with the video games, and it's got to be Super Mario Brothers. Oh, oh good Super shout. Mario Brothers was horrendous. It, it didn't even resemble Super Mario whatsoever. It was like Super Mario is one of the most colourful games there is. And suddenly you're transported to this kind of dystopian, kind of dark grey world. Yoshi, the cute little green dinosaur, some slimy, freaky thing now. And it's it's just abysmal. Isn't a, a, a abysmal adaptation of probably the most loved video game series that's ever existed. We how they how they couldn't have thrown just just an obscene amount of money at kind of a CGI. Super Mario style world. I've just made a CGI film. I don't know. Because, I, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. It was the eighties, though, Paul. That's why. Uh, they should have waited and then it, ten years. Came out that kind of time. Yeah, but that yeah. went for pure animation thing, and you know, and, and to be fair, I'm trying to assume the time. It, it was, but to be fair, Nintendo wanted nothing to do with it today. Nintendo wanted nothing to do with the film at all. And to be fair. The worst, the worst part about that film is is uh, the enemy. 
It's just that there's nowhere that's a that's uh King Cooper, nowhere. It's horrific. But he becomes Bowser at the end, doesn't he? But you never see it, you just yeah. see his hand, mm. and then no more comes of it. I read behind the scenes stories of, of the film, and apparently it was just horrendous, and they all knew it was absolute shit. I mean, and, uh, I, I, I've got a cult following now, but that's not saying much. The main reason I didn't choose that was. Because I haven't seen it, so I couldn't give a full reflection on you it. You mentioned so. that. We did we did Mario on one of the early episodes of what was the gaming podcast, now Game Junkies, a little plug for you right there. Um <laughs> we, we had Chris on talk about Mario and um, that was a few things that maybe you weren't sure about. Which is exactly something because you know a lot about Mario. Yeah. Right, no, so. don't, don't bother with the film. You're not no. missing anything. Yeah. Absolutely not. I've absolutely not and that is four hours of my life I will not get back. <laughs> yeah. Captain Lou Albano's um, rendition of Super Mario is a lot better than Bob Hoskins. Do the Mario. That was, he was definitely on some. He was on FET when he did that, definitely. Stop the money! You just right, high on the spice of life. <laughs> the spice of life. <laughs> right, let's go to to Martin as our next alphabetical. And uh, I alluded to this to you Paul uh, yesterday that you'll probably know your answer straight away uh, I'm going to go with the Mount Rushmore of of studio albums Ooh. now man is going to be uh, 1995's Oasis What's the Story Morning Glory that was when I was in the peak of my teen years um, absolutely ah! great I, I was 15 <laughs> when that album released, and it was just—it absolutely blew my mind. That that band, a band from where I was, where I was from, uh, can go and just be such a massive, massive like set of superstars. Uh, some amazing songs released from it. Two number ones in the UK, two number ones in the US. Uh, six singles in total. Just an absolutely banger of an album, and you can still play it now, and it's still an amazing album to listen to and it's one of those albums where you could just play all the way through and just chill out and sing along so i'm going to go with oasis's what's the story morning glory on the mount rushmore of studio albums amazing choice there's a crazy statistic in the 90s of how many households owned the album or something it's like eight in ten households or something stupid like that i i think over my lifetime i've bought that album about four or five times you have to. When, as soon as it's scratched, you have to go get it again. Yeah, and then when they release a special edition, I get yeah. that. Matt, choice. thank you very much. Matt, what is your choice for the Matt Rushmore of studio albums? Right, can I define what a studio album is, please? Like yeah. a, an album by an artist or a band that they've done in a studio. It's not a compilation, it's not a live album. Not, not a live album, not a greatest hits. Yeah. Okay, fine. Okay, in that case, then, I'm going to take you to 2002. It's an obvious one for me. Anyone who knows me, what is it going to be? Create one of my little guess. Aqua Barbie Girl. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm not that gay. <laughs> I wait for that's not even what I was thinking. <laughs> right. So 2002, it would be... Uh, two lads from Essex, one lad from Suffolk. It is the self-titled album, Busted. Oh. <laughs> Busted. It had a massive impact on my life growing up. Um, I could have gone with um, Avril Lavigne, but I'm not quite that emo. Um, but it is... I mean, every song on there, everyone can relate to being, like... like to quote unquote, a horny teenager who, ne- who never gets the person of their dreams, sort of thing. Everyone can relate to that sort of thing growing up. Um, I've crashed know, a few weddings. That's from the second album. And <laughs> <laughs> wanted to shag a few teachers. <laughs> There's two mentions of that on the first on the first album, yes. Um, but basically, fair, it's it's an album <laughs> which, I, which I have a lot of love for, and I can go back and sing sing. I say that in inverted commas. I can't sing for Toffee. But when I'm singing, and people at work know that, when I start singing, I'm happy. And I've been happy for last year and a half, so I've been singing every day at work, which they're getting tired of. 
Especially if it's busted. <laughs> if you keep oh. rocking up singing the year 3000 every <laughs> single morning. After it really gets scrolled out, to be fair, it's usually, actually, usually, it's usually, no, to be fair. So, so no, it's, um, no, nah, but busted for me is my pick. That's a great pick. Uh, I don't mind Buster, actually, to be fair, even though they are kind of a poppy band. The only issue I have with them was when they did that Thunderbirds Are Go uh, theme tune. That was oh. god-awful. That's, ad- that's another adaptation that could have gone into <laughs> yeah. adaptation. I might change my mind. I turned my mind of that. The film was terrible, but the song was all right. Thunderbirds, if you, if you, Thunderbirds is okay if you disregarded everything you knew about Thunderbirds going into the film. Exactly. But... But what before we carry on, what's wrong with that song? It's just it just didn't need busted on it. It didn't need a new theme tune to be fair. They should have just left it as the original. A big orchestral number. I won't argue with that, but what they did with it was fine. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't the original song, but then again, you know, we'll move on from that. Yeah, shall we? Let's let's just disagree. It were crap. Paul <laughs> Paul, straight <laughs> to you. <laughs> Let's go Mr. and Mrs. ourselves. What, what, what do you think I'm going to go for? I think you're going to go for the Manic Street Preachers, the Holy Bible. Got it in one. Got it. Both counts. Yeah, Manic Street Preachers, Holy Bible. I think it was also 95. Mm-hmm. Might have been like 94 or 1995. And uh, I, I was actually, I was too, I was just a, a little bit too young the first time it came around. So it was an album I actually discovered later, not when it, not when it first came out. I didn't discover the Mannix until um, until Design for Life came out. Everything must go. But I just think, I just don't think there's an album that's ever been made that sounds like the Holy Bible, and mm-hmm. I can just listen to it every single day. I think it was almost like, you know, it almost created its own genre that that's never been followed. Um, it's very dark um it's very lyrically dense tons of lyrics in it. i can't believe that i can't a lot of people say it's um richie the lyricist's finest album but i think it was uh james dean bradfield's uh the guitarist as well because to have been given that amount of lyrics that were so dark and like i say so so numerous and to fit them into songs that could be played on the radio and and you you know you could sing along to was just a miracle i think i think that's where james dean bradfield's genius really came out and i think it's an amazing album and, and the, the topics on it are so varied and uh and and yeah it's, i just don't think, like i said i don't think there's ever been an album that's been made that sounds like it yeah i agree i, I think as whilst I'm not as a massive uh, a, a Manix fan as you are, I do really do enjoy their music and it is a quality album. So yeah, great pick. Definitely. I mean, I'm not the sort of person who you know, I'm the sort of person who likes a song, doesn't know who sings it sort of thing. Design for Life was something I remember advertising um oh what was the show? It was one of the shows on on BBC back in the day. I think it might have been Biker Grove, I'm not sure. But it was a really, it was really well used for it, and it got my attention. So, I, I yeah. thought it was really good. I like, I like the, the band, but I couldn't pick a song out. I do. I think my actually be Chris. I don't know him very well, but like I said, I stuff, love stuff. I can take or leave. So, um, mm. that's my personal music taste. But I know they are quite a good band. Like I have seen through their live performances on TV and stuff like that. But they're good live. Um, mm. Yeah, oh, I couldn't really play any of their songs mm. straight up, though, unfortunately. But James all liked them. James likes them, so you can talk to him about them if I Yeah, you should definitely check that album out because because it doesn't even it doesn't even sound like the the stuff you would have heard from the Manic Street Preachers. No, definitely not. Because it, it was after that album that um the the, the guy who wrote, wrote the music, Richie, he dis- disappeared um and and never returned, and uh, they went in a more commercial route then and wrote songs like Design for Life and yeah the stuff that got radio play. But yeah, it felt it was a bookmark to a part in their career and. Uh, or book into a part of their career, I guess. And, and it, a, a quick sidebar: apparently, uh, there's going to be a reissue of, of uh, "Gold Against the Soul." Yes. Yeah. And, and the band have confirmed that they're going to be a uh, headlining Glastonbury. Headlining. Fucking mm. hell! <laughs> wow, that's huge. Yep, it definitely is. Um, great pick, Paul. Absolutely great pick, Thank Chris. You. 
uh, can you better the Holy Bible? Probably not, because <laughs> I haven't probably won the not. I'm not sure whether you guys would have heard of, to be honest. Because um, my music taste is a bit kind of overlooked, in my opinion. Selective, shall we say. <laughs> but uh, my, al- my album is The Midsummer Station by Owl City. Um, ah. That's it, it's quite electronic, uh, quite whimsical, kind of a lot of synths and kind of things like that. The sort of stuff he likes, to be fair. So. But, Which is burnt. Um, I mean, the Midsummer Station for me is his more his most commercial album. So it's the one that had um, a good time with Kylie Rae Jepsen and stuff like that. Um, so it's a bit more commercial, but it's still really good. Got headphones on, swelling synths. It just always builds up, and like it's going to sound hard to explain. But I think a lot of the lyrics are quite kind of visual. Like you can kind of make your own kind of interpretation of the lyrics. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's just an album I relate to a lot. Uh, especially like the opening track, Dreams and Disasters. Um, That's fair enough. Yeah, so it's, for me, it's just like a great album, massively overlooked in my opinion. Um, it did actually chart quite well in the UK, actually, um, as an album. I think it made the top ten at least. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, let's see, UK. Well, I didn't do that well in the UK, but um, you, you did the three yeah. songs you made me listen to, which yeah. was I'm Coming After You, Speed of Love, and Metropolis. Yeah, Metropolis is a mate. I actually listened to Metropolis several times, mainly because when he's driving, he's see Joe. <laughs> but it's um, it you laugh, but it's it is fantastic. Do you give a listen to Metropolis and nothing else? Yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah, it's just for me, it's my kind of taste, it's quite um. Quite synth heavy, quite it's a good one of headphones where you just sit back, relax, and like just let the music kind of swirl around your car. I think if that makes sense. He but... says that whilst driving his car. Don't lean back and relax while you're driving your no. car. Please, well, not, I... when I'm, not when I'm in it with you. Please, but please. to be fair, I don't normally have that on my car. I normally have other stuff on my car. But... Nah, that's true. The, yeah. the only song yeah. I know, apart from the, the Carly Rae Jepsen one you mentioned, was Is It Fireflies? On that album, that's. Early uh, one album, but that's his most well-known song. I think Good yeah. Time and Fireflies is two big, big tracks. Good Time is better than Fireflies, in my opinion, because Fireflies mm. over... Nah. Overplayed. I'll it's... check it out. I don't know the album. I'll, I, I'm definitely yeah, I'll definitely go check that out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just like, it's not everyone's taste, because it's quite synthy and kind of, kind of... But it's just one that I love, and like if I'm looking for an album, it's one I normally do turn to. Just like that's a special until Chris talks music. Another <laughs> <laughs> podcast, a bit of what point. <laughs> you know, that, that's my pick. It's a bit left field, not very well known, but I liked it. it didn't surprise me because I the, know we like. But the the thing with with music, though, is it's it's as subjective as as your picks for a wrestling man Rushmore. It's how you feel and how that music makes you feel, and. I'll definitely go check it out. It's uh, it's not something that I would normally uh, look for, but yeah, I'll uh, definitely be having a look for it. I think for me, especially just like the lyrics, like there's a lot, of, a lot of lyrics in the songs I can relate to, stuff like that. So that's what catches your attention. Though. If it's something yeah. you can relate to, I mean, same with me with Bastard Bind, I can relate to a lot of the songs on it. So if you can relate to it, then it's always going to stand out for you. So it's good. Absolutely. Yeah. So we we said music's personal. It's interesting. You you went. Um, Darren went for a band from your way. I went for a band from my way, and uh, and Matt went for a band from his way. So it's I went, I went for someone from America. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it means <laughs> fairness, you it are... means you've got a broader outlook. In fairness, he is a secret American. So there you go. You've been to America how many times? About seven. You've been to you've been to Florida eight times. Eight times, yeah. Or nine. Wow. Good New York. Nine plus plus California, so that's ten. Well, like California is part of the flight trips. Fair enough, man. Fair enough, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's your boy, Rens, a.k.a. Ray Cash of The Outsider's Edge. I'm here with my boy, Kyle. And I got a question for you, man. All right, shoot. What would you say are your four worst, your Mount Rushmore of worst edge guests? Ooh, that's a tough one. The Mount Rushmore of worst edge guests. It's pretty easy. It should just be two people. I mean, nah, 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 nah. The the three worst guests in the history of the Outsider's Edge are obviously Caleb, Carl, <laughs> Caleb, Carl, and 
snags, right? Well, I mean, Darren's trash. You know, Darren, and we can't even shout out Paul Talley because he's never been on the damn show. I mean, but this is good for us. Speaking of Mount Rushmore, I guess we can shout out the fact that Badlands Podcast, part of the Chairshot Radio Network. Check it out. We love the show. Uh, always listen, man. Chairshot family, we're here for you. 100%. If y'all haven't checked it out, you got to do it. And I mean, if Darren were here, we know one thing he would say to my Mount Rushmore, and that is he has a He big, would veto that shit. Fat veto for that shit. But he's not here. So I said what I said. You want to come on the show and defend yourself. You know where to find your boys. If you don't like that, we don't give up. Fuck. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out the chair shot. Anyway, it's my turn, is it? It certainly is, Matt. What is your Mount Rushmore going to be about? Right. I had several choices here because I wasn't sure which one I was going to go with. I was going to pick me before I came around. So, um... What I crossed out was Best TV Chef. I crossed it out because it's Gordon Ramsay, nothing will matter. Right, so... Um, absolutely not, but anyway. But anyway, my Mount Rushmore, Best British Sitcom. Mm. Oh, now, oh. everyone, every, most people have got a different British sitcom in mind. Um, me and my brother talked about it at length on what talked about Willis recently about what we thought our best sitcoms were. Um, oh, a couple. Exactly. And the thing is, you start thinking, but because this is one that probably will, someone will actually think of their one before yours come round, so you need a couple of backhanders. But I'm going first. So, <laughs> um, for me, it will always be Dad's Army. I remember sneaking downstairs when I was younger. Uh, must have been about seven, eight years old, if that. Back in the 70s. <laughs> in the early 90s, and sneaking into the living room, and Dad had it on the telly. Um, and I was allowed to sit up and watch an episode with him. It was the one with the, uh, the wheel that was on remote control, just following him around the whole time which was brilliant. Um, and that was the first time I was actually allowed to break my curfew, as it were. And every time Dad was on, I was allowed to break my curfew to watch it. The only thing about my dad, I actually remember him doing me, that was nice. So um, I, got into, I got into classic sitcom, thanks to that. And Dad's Army, I've seen every episode. Uh, we'll leave the films to one side because both of them are rubbish. Because... Even the classic one, because that this sitcom was this. No, Mag is shaking his head, but I explain why. This, this. I just can't get over the pick. <laughs> Dad's, Dad's army was designed for a small screen, and it worked perfectly for the small screen. On the big screen, it just lost something. I don't know what it was, but it lost something. So the remake should have happened, in my opinion, either. I didn't watch it for years. I was told watch it, but you can't have an opinion on it. So I watched it. Fuck you, they want to tell me to watch it. That is two hours of my life. I'm not getting back. And it's a Tomb Raider. <laughs> but Tomb Raider's not that bad. Anyway. Um, but anyway, it's... Um, I mean, when you think about people like Arthur Lowe, John LeMessurier, um, you've got Clive Dunn, who wasn't the original person for the role, that was actually Jack Haig. And you've got um, John Laurie, you've got um, Jane, Jimmy Beck, who died so tragically um, from his pancreas burst on the operating table after episode 59. Yes, that's how much I know this series. And you got Arnold Ridley, who's only a year older than John Laurie, and you got Ian Lavender, of course, he went on to uh, star, I think star, EastEnders afterwards, and then of course the ancillary characters, I can name them, but we want to finish at some point this decade. So, um, Dad's Army for me is always going to be the best British sitcom. Wow. I... What a chance of that zombie would be hit and miss, and I think so. It to me just seems to out. That's <laughs> <laughs> me, right? We've seen a break up here. What have we done? Laugh. What have we done? <laughs> I, I don't think it's that good either. I, I've got to agree with Chris. It's uh, it wouldn't be my favorite, and I know that as a kid, I definitely didn't sneak downstairs what to watch a bit of Dad's <laughs> Army. 
can't wait to be mum and dad to Kip so I can watch a bit of Who Do You Think You're Kidding, Mr. Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, it was... The theme tune's iconic, I'll give it that. It, 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 it's my pick. It's my pick. Paul Tolly, please take away your next pick. <laughs> I th- it is funny. It's not. It's not. It's not one of the. It's, it's not the best sitcom of all time for me. But it is really funny. Uh, I used to break my curfew for London's Burning. Is that a sitcom? Does that, does it, <laughs> that fit in a no. comedy? No, it wasn't a comedy at all. <laughs> but the Ooh, fire brigade. Her house is burning down. Ooh, get a lot of that yeah. laughs. Yeah. Why? <laughs> why I was allowed to break my sitcom for that? I have no idea. Ironically, James from Bastard cameoed in London's Burning, but carry on. Really? Yeah. You must have been very young. He was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the tangents. Just the tangents. Paul, pick a sitcom, any sitcom, please, yeah. for the love of God. Or any, your best one. The, the, the best one's The Office. The British Office or the US the Office? The British Office. And it's, and, and it's the Mount Rushmore British sitcoms. I mean, even if it was the Mount Rushmore sitcoms, I'd still be putting The Office on there. Um, I would agree with you, definitely. I think it was just, what, 40, 14 episodes of just absolute perfection, charting the story of David Brent from kind of untouchable um, office dickhead who we all, we all know and love from our, from our careers. Um, and then into, obviously into the second series where he starts getting his comeuppance and, and you actually start to feel sorry for him. And then the, uh, just the amazing, beautiful Christmas specials where he, he eventually gets accepted and Tim and Dawn get together. And it's just all perfection. And, and Ricky Gervais is an absolute genius, not just as an actor and a comedian, but as a, as, as a writer as well. Um, and it, really, he wasn't, I mean, he was around before that, but that's what put Ricky Gervais on the map. Um, and yeah. he's, well, he's huge now, isn't he? Uh, that's the main thing I know from The Office. That's like when I first got to know Ricky Gervais as a person. Like, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. He, um, he definitely, uh, he, he definitely knew when to stop as well. That's yeah. a hint, America. Know when to stop. Exactly. How many seasons have they done in America? Like ten seasons. <laughs> absolutely milked it. Nine. They, they, they were. They weren't even in the office. They were in people's houses. That's not the office. <laughs> it, it left the office like once, maybe twice, didn't it? And I went to a pub. That's different. That wasn't. That was fine. But, yeah. Mm, and the style, the style was so groundbreaking as and well. And yeah. it doesn't feel it anymore because it's so. It's been it's so overdone so many now. Times, yeah. But um, you, you, you could for a little while tune in if you didn't know what it was and think it was, think it was a documentary. And I, you wrote down London Burning. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go check For it out on YouTube. I just it. I know. <laughs> That's why the thing about it now is like, yeah, oh, I don't know. It's like that. That's yeah. probably the funniest thing that's been done this show. <laughs> a lot funnier than Dad's Army, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> go check out. Go check out the Holy Bible and London's Burning, and it'll, okay. change, it'll change your life. Wow. <laughs> so Chris, let's go to you for your uh, best sitcom. Uh, please don't be London's Burning. Nothing uh, funny about fire. Um, <laughs> is it that one? No. Wow, that surprised me. That wasn't even one of the two I was considering. Okay, continue. Um, mine is a bit of a classic. Keep your appearances. Yeah. Mm. I like that. Um, I like that. It's just, I don't know why, it's just like the character and how well Patricia Rod- Rodridge plays the character. Yeah. How she's so hilarious and kind of likeable but also a bit of a bitch and kind of like like I guess these days would be called the shade she throws at people and like kind of mm-hmm. just, like, just the way she carries it yeah. like she carries the series like okay this point is cast really great yeah you got but Patricia Rutledge just completely carries that series um, you feel like, she, you feel like she, she could monologue the whole about herself without yeah. needing anyone else she could do an entire half hour of a, of a telephone conversation uh, and we all know someone who's like that, who who yeah. thinks they're they're way above the, the station, and what that's kind that? of the beauty of I don't it. Like yeah. Yep, great pick. Uh, 
back to me. And for me, I've got two choices, uh, both Channel 4 uh, comedies. Um, I'm tempted to go with Peep Show because I, I like The Office. That was kind of a groundbreaking choice. But I'm actually going to go with the one that I probably could watch the most and laugh still to this day, uh, the IT crowd, I think I'm going to go with. Um, another one that they tried to do an American version and it absolutely fell on uh, deaf ears. But, yeah, the IT crowd, just amazing characters, uh, just absolutely ridiculous comedy. I love that show. The fact that um, Moz goes on countdown of all shows... <laughs> It's just a brilliant, brilliant show. Uh, so I would heartily recommend anyone to watch the RT crowd. So that's my pick. Well, so I've seen a couple of episodes. Of what I've seen of it, I do really enjoy. And Rich Ayoade, I think his character just, just completely smashes it. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole, the whole of the cast just, uh, just yeah. perfectly, perfectly picked. Yeah, James, yeah. James would definitely agree with that as well. He, um, him, and my little sister absolutely adored the RT crowd. However, um, I must admit something right now. You not seen it? Uh-uh. uh-uh. It's on my list of things to watch. But I've loads of series of it as well, Paul, uh, Matt. So get it watched. Do you know what? I so you've never it. seen it. I started watching it two weeks ago. And I've seen loads in the last two weeks, but I've never seen it before then. Wow. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Like, I'm, I'm addicted to it already. This, but I've got so much to watch. Because let's not forget the amount of wrestling I have to watch on, on a weekly basis. So, and also the amount of gaming I have to do as well. And the amount of work I have to do as well. And that's such a hard life. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I, there is some, a lot of stuff I need to get to watching. So, um, well, Put the IT crowd at the top of the list. It's, it's yeah, give it a go. Give it a go. And also good as well because everyone knows an IT department like that. Uh, everyone knows a Hyacinth Bouquet. Everyone knows a David Brent. And everyone knows a group the of old guys defending us from the Nazis, don't they? So <laughs> they're also relatable. Mad guy. Oh, you broke me, Paul. You actually broke me. <laughs> <laughs> and the scary thing is, is that it's. Is that um, it's gonna? It's his Mount Rushmore next. It certainly is. Come on, Paul, hit us with it. <laughs> well, I'm sticking with the TV. I'm sticking with TV. I had, I had two um, TV choices to go for. I was I was thinking greatest ever um, Mount Rushmore of reality TV, but I thought nah, don't. I'm not gonna go for that. Go for something a bit more fun, a bit more up our street. A Mount Rushmore of Saturday night. Primetime TV. Wow. <laughs> so, as an example, I'll go first. The king of Saturday Night TV, the, the, the best Saturday Night TV show there's ever been. Noel's House Party. I knew. Yeah. Noel's House Party was phenomenal. Again, it was groundbreaking. Like, everything Ant and Deck do today is ripped off of Noel's House Party. Which was what twenty years ago? Uh, Mid nineties, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, and it was just like, it was anarchic. It was crazy. You had people being gunged. You had Mister Blobby all over the place. You had a number one hit single. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Uh, what what was Mister? <laughs> yeah. What was Mister Blobby? But does anyone know what Mister Blobby was? He was he was an anthropomorphic blob. Just a blob, <laughs> blobby, blobby, blobby. Did anyone see the uh, the bit from Grammy Quiz of the Year where Mr. Bobby comes on and Jack Whitehall's terrified of him? I that is, that is literally that is hilarious. Whenever I'm having a sad time and having run for a while, no, but whenever I've had a sad time, that just brightens my soul. If you search like Jack Whitehall terrified of Mr. Bobby, it is brilliant. Look, 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 look at that. You. I can't stand Jack Whitehall, so I definitely won't be looking for that. <laughs> But this this was Noel Edmonds in his pomp before he went all serious. Yeah. Like Noel Edmonds was like um, Sting from the Police, wasn't he? Like the Police were were awesome, and then he went all serious, started playing loot and stuff. <laughs> That's what Noel Edmonds is doing now, playing loot somewhere. But but Noel Edmonds in his day was class, and he did what NTV, where it clicked the fingers and go into someone's living room, yeah. and suddenly they were on TV. Like I say, groundbreaking the Gotchas, where they were 
tricking um, celebrities, you know, because sometimes quite high profile celebrities, Noel in prosthetics and all that. Let's say Mr. Blobby, the Gungings. What else did they do? They did loads of stuff on it. It was amazing. And well, they only got, it got cancelled because of uh, someone died on it, didn't they? No, but no, but no, they axed it because they wanted to put something else on instead. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much why everything was axed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They did a big thing where, where they came on the next day and that, for the next show, and they had a big axe hanging in the middle of the studio, and, and he said, we've been axed, and then came on the show. What I remember is from 1993, um, during the 30th anniversary of Doctor Who, uh, they did a two-part 3D special, Dimensions in Time, and for the second episode, for the first part, was it? For the first part, uh, the doctor turned up at turned up at Crinkly Bottom and opened uh, the and opened uh, the door and he saw John Pertwee and they watched the episode together and in the second part was shown through during North House House Party the next night so it was even they were involved in everything they were North House Party were even yeah. something as quite as Doctor Who. Yep, fingers in all the pies. They did a, a smell of vision episode, so you could buy, you could go to um, Woolworths, buy a scratch card, and you you scratch it when he told you to, and smell it, scratch and sniff. Yeah, I remember that. It wasn't great, but I remember it. It was it was the nineties, though, you know. Yeah, it just felt like cardboard, really. Cardboard, a, a bit a bit bananary, but um, it, it didn't work. But it was great. So you did it. He tried. <laughs> I love North House Party, and I, 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 I'd love to see like something similar to that back. I, I guess it'd and... be the same, though, would it? Nah. Be the same. Nah, yeah, people too serious these days. And and Dex Saturday Night Takeaway. It's not the same. I agree. It's, it's too polished. Bang and nah, I agree. No, that talk. So let's go with you then, Chris. Uh, what's your uh, favourite Saturday primetime TV show? Please don't be X Factor. Or what's that one you've been watching? The Masked Singer. Don't intimidate the guests. He can pick X Factor or The Masked Singer if he wants to pick <laughs> he it. He can perfectly pick it if he wants. The thing is, they're not... I'm trying to think Softer really stands out to me and Softer is quite iconic, so... So he's not been around for a while. They did try and bring it back, but it was god-awful. It's Generation Game. I want to play the game with you. Yes. Um, Brilliant. But with Brucey. With yeah, Brucey. going back to Brucey. got to like, be Brucey. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's just some of the things you watch, and it was just hilarious when they're trying to do the things, and it was like laugh out loud, funny. Yeah, um, like the classic conveyor belt bit at the end. Um, Can't be toys. The, the scenes and like the acting stuff, and it was just like <laughs> they were favourite ones. They yeah, were favourite ones. Like for me, I think like if you think all round solid entertainment on a Saturday night is going to make you laugh, going to be quite interesting to see who wins the challenges, stuff like that. Had a bit of everything, so it's kind of. Hmm. And I think Bruce hosted that really well. Like, I know Mel and Sue tried to bring it back, but I did watch an episode last. Like, like, yeah, no. Well, they did their best. Yeah. It wasn't for them at all. Yeah. Have they actually tried to bring that back? They did. Uh, yeah. of, uh, Miranda, yeah. I think. They did four episodes. It wasn't. Miranda? No. I'm sure it's Miranda, did it? That's Miranda, awful. Miranda was a special guest, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Mel and Sue hosted it, but it was just. Um, no. Didn't work. They, they kind of filmed four and then gave up. They just showed the four that they filmed. Yeah. And, um, and they were okay, but the problem is, is that people were expecting the level of Bruce Lee. Because it was so iconic. It was, I think it was trying to live up to what... Jim Davidson did a good it. job. And he was okay, but more than Bruce Lee. Uh, so many good things that Generation Game did. In fact, unless I'm mistaken... That was the last time because back when Thunderbirds came back to BBC and we were again on a tangent. Thunderbirds, what's he, what are you talking about, man? If I may, Mags, uh, when Thunderbirds <laughs> started on on BBC, I started showing it again. They did a little thing about it on on Generation Game. Well, to judge it, Jerry Anderson himself walked out to do the judging, and that, unless I'm mistaken, that's the last <laughs> time he ever appeared on TV. Mm-hmm. So that's that in itself is quite a big quite a big deal. It's iconic. It's like Saturday night inception. They got Do- the- Doctor Who went back in time and watched the Thunderbirds with Noel Edmonds. <laughs> and then 
<laughs> they all want a cuddly toy. Wow. So, before Matt goes on another weird tangent, uh, I'll go to my pick then. Uh, and I'm actually a bit kind of upset with you, Matt, then, because you were kind of slating off the, one of the stars of the show I'm going to pick. You were saying Jim Davidson did a, a poor job on the Generation game. It's well, only a game show. Exactly. I'm going for big break. Um, that show was Iconic. Absolutely iconic. That was amazing. That's fine. I mean, taking you win. You win. Yeah, taking a game like Snooker and making a Saturday night show about it, and it was absolutely enthralling watching. Just brilliant. John Virgo, who was past his prime as a player, but was an absolute superstar as a as as the co-host, and obviously Jim Davidson just. At that time, it was at his peak of, of comedians. And then you got all the fresh-faced, young snooker stars that you got a young Stephen Hendry full of, still full of spots on there. Um, just amazing show, absolutely amazing. And then when you got the round where you could get double points for putting the colours in a certain uh, pocket, yeah, I love that show. If, if they were to bring a show back, I, I think that would be the show I'd like them to bring back. So I'm going to go with Big Break. It's very, very, I agree with that. I really enjoyed it, actually. I'd love yeah. to see Big Break come back. Mm-hmm. Was that your favourite round, the uh, the quiz round where they could double their yeah, points? Yeah, obviously. Where you got yeah. £10 for, a, for a, a red. Yeah, it was a good round. Very good round. Matt, have you anything to say about Big Break before you go into your, your last rant? I loved it. Mainly because I always used to listen up for the iconic words, Miss Fred! Straight away, <laughs> straight away. The the best though was when they they, uh, they they knew the clock were running down and they'd just take a wild punt at a shot and then you'd hear the klaxon go. Yeah, just brilliant, what oh, brilliant, brilliant entertainment. Stephen Hendry scores four. <laughs> <laughs> they gave him no time at all because because <laughs> they had a clue what they were answering. It was ridiculous. Right. Now, my one is a little bit more of a left-field pick. Don't sound so surprised. I've been doing left-field picks all night. Okay, my pick is an ITV show. And it's Blind Date. Oh. Oh, that's That's a a good pick. That's a banging shout. Stella Black in a... in her pomp as an entertainer, definitely. She was fantastic. Surprise, surprise, was good, but nothing compared to Blind Date. I mean, who doesn't love that? The fact of the matter is, even when they actually revealed on the epi- on one of the episodes, they actually had someone who was a journalist and came in to try and scam, scam someone. It was fantastic. That episode was amazing. She was absolutely was definitely iconic. She was fantastic. She really was. She... Um, Obviously, being a Liverpool fan, she was very um, she was very associated with Liverpool Football Club, obviously. But um, so I might be slightly biased as to be my pick there. But sort of black. I mean, come on, come on. She was amazing. I think the great thing about when they came back, and because um, I think the way that Cinder dealt with the interview of the person who ended up being a journalist mm. the week after, very very I think, well, right. She's professional, she's on the line, but the way kind of like you could feel like the tension and kind of like you could tell still what they go for almost. And yeah, like, definitely. But it's just it was done so well. Like yeah. everyone knew what she's getting across, but she wasn't coming across nasty. that way. That she wasn't so, nasty, but you also know yeah. I'm gonna jump down your throat and I will and I'm gonna pull your throat and put it for it and play hop skip hop skip rope with it. <laughs> I was gonna use a skipping rope, yeah. It, she 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 doesn't seem like a nasty person, sort of black. But you could tell she wanted to. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that you picked that. And I think it was earlier this week that the the, the modern-day version of that show, Take Me Out, got cancelled. Mm-hmm. It's a shame, really, because Take Me Out actually comes with love. Yeah, it's all right. I think it's Paddy's just a little bit too cheesy for my liking. Well, I like you. I like Paddy on there. I say that. They pour about for Blind Day back with Paul Grady, didn't they? Paul Grady hosted it. Yeah, and he did a good job. 
I don't think I've watched the Paul Grady one. I think it's on five. I've not seen it either. Yeah, so yeah. five, not ITV though. Yeah, but you know, did you, did you know Marty Skrull had been on uh, Take Me Out? Marty Skrull, fuck off. He has Marty Skrull <laughs> when he was party Marty Skrull was on uh, Take Me Out, and I think when they do the bit where they they ask talk to one of their friends, I think it was Jimmy Havoc. I might be wrong on that. Oh my but god, Marty I'm gonna Skrull look that definitely up. on it. Series one, I think it was. I love it in the lights off for that show, but I remember watching one on YouTube recently where someone literally said, uh, I'm after Blanc because they're nice and dumb and I do it if I want to think. The lights that went off was ridiculous, apart from three. And then they're like, Well, I'm glad you did like because that's you're the one I want. The other two um, turn the lights off themselves before he could get to turn them off. So I'm like, you're an arsehole, mate. <laughs> You're an arsehole. <laughs> and the woman who was left didn't really fancy the date, but she was like, oh, long as you're buying, mate. You can have it. Literally what, he, what she said. Ridiculous. But blind date would not be by anything. Any other date in the show. Yeah, I agree. It was, a, it was a classic. And therefore, pretty badass Mount Rushmore's that we've come up with there. Uh, so we had... Chris's pick of film adaptations, and Chris went with uh, The Golden Compass. I had The Hobbit. Matt went weirdly for the original Tomb Raider movie, and uh, Paul went for the Mario Brothers movie. Uh, I picked uh, the Matt Rushmore of studio albums and went with a classic What's the Story, Morning Glory. Matt again ruined it by picking Busted. I, uh, <laughs> ruined it. That's kind of predictable, though. He's saying it's after, but it's kind of predictable. Well, that wasn't predictable, yeah. Because your namesake's in the band. <laughs> to be fair, he wasn't. That, do you know? I didn't even think of that. And he actually is as well. Matty J, until Busted broke up, they were Matt Willis after that. So. so then we had Paul with a classic, the Manic Street Preachers Holy Bible, and Chris with a, a left field one, but an interesting sounding one of uh, Owl City's uh, Midsummer Station. Is it Midsummer Station? Yeah, the Midsummer Station. Yeah. Uh, then we went to Matt's uh, Matt's Mount Rushmore of British sitcoms. He again picked a, a very very poor pick with Dad's Armour. Paul uh, recovered with The Office, and then Chris came with Keeping Up Appearances, and I rounded it off with the RT Crowd, and then. Uh, for Paul's uh, Mount Rushmore, he picked Saturday Night Prime Time TV, starting with a classic of Noel's House Party. Chris went with another classic of the Generation Game. I went with a third classic of Big Break. And Matt redeemed all his woeful, woeful picks with another classic of Bland Date. Day off. Can I just say what my, what my backhand was for my British sitcom? With Blackadder. Now, that would have been a better shout than Dad's Army, to be fair. But Blackadder, one, one reason I thought he was going to pick it, but also um, Blackadder, because I was shown the final episode of the last series so many times, it kind of ruined it for me. I was shown it every single bloody year in history class. <laughs> every bloody year. He's kind of painted it for me. It's one of my funniest bits of television, though. It is, and it's brilliantly handled. But the problem is, is that when you get played something too much, it loses something. Thanks for that. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Wow. So, guys, what we actually need uh, from you now is for you to pick a a topic for our future guests. Uh, Mr. Tolly here will give you a... A topic, and then I shall give you a topic, and you pick which one you find the most interesting. Take it away, Paul. Mount Rushmore of wrestling catchphrases. Mm. I'm going to go with the Mount Rushmore of Royal Rumble winners. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I could quite easily make this decision. But you're not, because it's a team. You it's are not. a team there. But at the same time, I'm thinking, maybe Chris should answer this one. 
Chris is like, what's a real rumble? It's a catchphrase one, because you're great to hear people trying to do impersonations of the different catchphrases, maybe. Mm, I'm, so, oh, you call it one of because it's fine! But, um, yeah, um, I think side of that one, definitely. I think catchphrases, because I think it's more diversity there, and like, and what a more discussion potential, because it's like different, different people's kind of perception and what they like. A lot of vetoing there as well, between the two of them as well, definitely. <laughs> I can just imagine Paul doing some of these impressions. A Welsh Stone Cold Steve Austin. Or <laughs> <laughs> you try and do Santina Morella or something. Fantastic. Yep, great well, pick. Chris has spoken. Chris has spoken, and that's the bottom line. You've actually won a. You've actually won a, a, a pick there as well, Paul. <laughs> I, I know. I'm delighted. Can you tell? <laughs> the last time we won one, well, I picked one on episode two. <laughs> <laughs> we actually spoke about how many times he'd lost yesterday when we were recording our our um, retrospective episode. Hey everyone, it's your girl, the Queen of NE, and I'm so excited to tell you about my show, Queen's Court. It's an awesome, fun, super interactive podcast led by yours truly, bringing you some awesome interviews, some great collabs, and just enjoying discussing our beloved sport of wrestling. You can find me on Twitter at the Queen of Any, on Instagram at X the Queen of Any, and of course my podcast, Queen's Court, on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are out. I encourage you to come take a listen to something new, something fresh, and something that you can only have when you hold court with the Queen. Right, guys. Thank you very, very much for this. It's been absolutely an amazing episode. Uh, let everybody know where they can get hold of uh, Chris Talks Games and where they can get hold of every single other podcast that there is on our Visionaries Wrestling Network by Matt Willis. Right. Maybe Chris should go further because it might take me a while. <laughs> yes, it will. Um, well, the easiest way to find my stuff is probably on my Twitter, which is at ChrisLewis37. Um, we do uh, my podcast links are all on there, and my YouTube video links are on there. So, best way to check out myself is just go through my Twitter at ChrisLewis37. Um, you can find everything there, I think. So, yeah, they're nice and simple. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, he he's the, he is the brains of the outfit. I'm. I call myself his producer, but let's face it, uh, of all people I have to produce for, he's the easiest person in the world. I think editor probably more accurate. Well, ed- well, editor as well. I, just, I still have to send it out. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't want to give your producer credits. <laughs> I don't get paid for it, so, you know, maybe it's <laughs> Right, however, if you want to get in touch with any of the shows I'm involved with, find me through at Matt at UK. You can find everything through that. All my shows are linked from that account, so you can find everything through that. Um, I will give a shout-out to my co-host on Good Cop, Bad Cop, at, at MGB Graham, um, who runs at Good Bad Wrestle. Um, I could do a lot of shows on my own. I do. But uh, I couldn't do that one without him. So, thanks, Graham. You, you're, you guys are the reason why I'm doing podcasting, so you blame him. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, after this amazing episode, it's time for you to see if you can nail an outro. Time for the go home. Of course, of course, of course I can nail it. Uh, <laughs> like yesterday's. Like yesterday's. I smashed it yesterday. After you've edited it. You go off a tandem. No, you, t- you um, took me off on a tangent, much like you're doing now, but it's not going to work. Because people have enjoyed this episode and they want to hear where they can hear more. I'll tell you where you can, where you can hear more. Uh, at cheershotradio.com. Is cheershot.com. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. Cheershot. <laughs> we, you can hear more at cheershot.com. Just type cheershot into your favorite podcast provider and you'll hear. Um, Amazing podcasts such as uh, the Greg DeMarco Cheer Shot Radio, The Outsider's Edge, Pod is War, and so much more, including all of our back catalogue. Uh, well, most of our back catalogue, anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, and 
I've had a car wreck of my sometime. My word! I, I need to. I need to switch the camera off when I'm doing this bit because it's it's him. It's <laughs> it's at Dej Kirkby who continually throws me off. You can follow him and listen to his other excellent podcasts, such as the Five Rounds Pod, all about UFC and uh, that kind of real fighting stuff. I don't know anything about. And uh, the amazing Why We Watch as well, where he interviews lots of wonderful guests uh, about why they watch wrestling. You can follow me at Raincounter. I'm part of Five Nerds Go as well, so give them a follow. Basically, there's an abundance of material there for you to uh, go choose from. And when you're choosing, just remember, always use your head. Chairshot.com. Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.